0: You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. All right, well, it's good to have you all here this morning. And uh, we're in our second Sunday of 2019. And I'm not sort of suggesting that any of you are going to be getting to heaven, you know, this week or anything, but I want you to, uh, well, but you never know, right? <laughs> Um, 2019, you always, always look back at the year, don't you? See, you know, who's passed on that You go, wow, you know, I wouldn't expect that person to pass on So you don't ever really know But imagine that you went to heaven uh, Imagine that, you know, your time was up And you find your way through the pearly gates And you're wandering around in heaven And you come across a chart in one of the head offices, you know and uh, you've probably been called to head office for some reason or another You're probably used to that And uh, and on that chart There's, there's a, uh, a line of your life And you saw what your life could have achieved You saw the influence that was possible for your life But your life that was possibly led here Was in reality led here here And there was a gap between what God made possible for us and what we experienced. What was? do you think is the originator of that gap? Where does that gap come from? I want to suggest to you this morning, that gap comes from one place. And I want to look at an antidote for that this morning. If you're interested in making the most of not just 2019, but the most of the time that you have left here on the earth, that I really encourage you this morning to lean in, maybe take some notes. There might be something said that is very meaningful to you that you'll want to remember later. But we have an ancient document here written by one of the wisest people who have ever lived. His name was Solomon, and he was the king of Israel. And he's known, his writings have gone down. In history is some of the most profound writings, proverbs uh, that anybody has ever written So we are very fortunate this morning You are very fortunate, I am very fortunate To have a document that has withstood thousands of years And is still considered to be as wise in 2019 as it was thousands of years ago That it was written So I want to dig into this wisdom this morning And and, and find out what Solomon says about closing that gap Between your potential and your reality Because what he has to say I think is incredibly practical And I believe will be very, very meaningful For many people uh, in this room I I believe there's only one way to grow There's only one way to increase Once your body has exhausted its predetermined characteristics of growth In other words, once you're an adult There's only one way to increase once you are of age. You want to take a muscle, for example. How do you increase a muscle? Well, the only only way to increase the muscle is to break down the muscle fibre. You break down the muscle fibre, then the muscle fibre grows back. It it responds with a more complex, greater in number, thicker uh, in nature. And something more complex and greater replaces that which was. There's an old saying, and I believe this is what we're going to learn this morning, that there's no pain, there's no gain without pain. The problem is, the older you get, the more difficult this becomes. Because the older you are, the more established you are. The older you are, the more you've got to lose. The older you are, you're kind of so far up the, um, up the, uh, the mountain, so to speak, and you've got a bit of a view, you know, you've done a few things. Why bother now? Let's just settle back and enjoy what it is that we've achieved. And the problem with that is, of course, inevitably it becomes very dangerous because paralysis of the mind starts to sneak in, paralysis of the soul. And you start to become a little cynical. You know, you come along to a thing like this and, you know, you you come. So God bless you for that. That's not a bad thing. Um, But, you know, you you kind of heard it all before, you know. You know, you like to you just know, observe And oh yes, and Lazarus, yes Well Lazarus, he's going to rise from the dead We you know that, you know Lazarus rose from the dead <gasps> Yeah, I know, I know And uh, you kind of, you know You sit there and you kind of figure out Where the preaching's going And yeah, I think I know this is going to land Yeah, no, I've, I've been there I've done that and, and, and the problem with that is, of course That that leads into just a little bit of scepticism And the soul starts to atrophy. I believe God is wanting more for you. I believe God is wanting more for me. But there's only one way to get more, and that's, of course, to go deeper. And by deeper, when I was a kid, I always was led to believe that deeper meant confusing. You know, when the preacher said something no one understood? Oh, that's deep, deep. Oh, that's deep. (laughs) It wasn't deep at all, it was confusing. (laughs) What deep is, deep is when you're in waters over your head. That's deep. Deep is when you're beyond your comfort zone. That's deep. Deep is obeying God and putting yourself in the situations outside of your control that are completely reliant on God. That's deep. That's where the good stuff is. That's where God exists. The just shall live by faith, Hebrews tells us. Solomon, as I said, one of the wisest people that ever lived, gave us great insight in this whole idea. And we're going to read a whole chapter. I'm going to read a verse and and explain it and apply it. Read a verse, explain it and apply it. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 1 says this. Ship your grain across the sea and after many days you may receive a return. And everybody said? Oh, great. Yeah, great. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) Ship your grain. Oh, wow, that's really good. (laughs) That's really powerful. Thank you. That's helped me so much. I've got so much grain and so many boats. Now I know what to do. Uh, There is an older translation that says, cast your bread upon the water. That's equally as confusing, right? (laughs) Cast your bread upon the water and the fish will eat it, right? Cast your bread upon the water and soon it will come back home on, you know, whatever. The idea. Let me tell you what Solomon is actually saying here. Think about it. He's He's describing the risk that merchants take. In those days, um, ships, of course, were the only way to get your merchandise to a foreign market. But ships often sunk in storms. There was a lot of shipwrecks. It was a precarious, risky business to be involved in overseas trade. There were a lot of pirates that frequent seas and cargoes could be stolen. Ships' captains were not necessarily honest. And there was no insurance policies to take out to cover the loss. Merchants would often take a complete and total loss as they shipped their cargo to a foreign port. So why take the risk? Why bother? When you don't know, is the ship going to sink? Is a pirate going to come and steal it? Will the captain sell it and just disappear into the night? Will I ever see a return from taking my merchandise, putting it on a ship, and sending it overseas? And of course, the reason they did it was because for those who did do it, the returns were incredible. For those who did do it, there was indeed great reward. And what Solomon is saying is this live a life of great reward follows a life of great risk live a life of great reward and you will if you live a life of great risk Helen Keller says this security is mostly superstition it does not exist in nature nor do the children of men as a whole experience it avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure Helen Keller says life is a daring adventure or it's nothing She is endorsing Solomon's view of the world here. Solomon is saying, God has got for you great reward, but that great reward, that growth, that increase is not going to come without great risk. And now he goes on and he tells us how to take great risk. So, this is why this is so practical and so helpful as we navigate the waters into 2019. He says this in verse 2 Invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. For you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. What he's saying is this: He's saying is, don't have an over expectation, right? Don't expect never to fail. As a matter of fact, make failure your friend. Make failure your friend, because you're probably going to fail. That's okay. Go again. You might fail a second time, but go again. You might fail a third time, but go again. You might fail a fourth time, but go again. Fifth, sixth, seventh, he says go eight times. Failure is a reality of your existence. And what he's saying is, don't not risk because of fear of failure. What he's saying is, when you fail, learn from your failings, come back and go again. Again. What so many people do when they fail is they start playing that, you know, music from death type movies, you know, suspense movies. You know, oh, it's useless. Oh, I'm going to die. Oh, the world is coming to an end. Oh, I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I can't do anything. And you start to play and rehearse these things over and over in your mind, and it puts you into a small little box, into a corner, and you're afraid to put your head up because you failed before. You start to find yourself as a failure. What Solomon is saying, you want great reward? Great reward is the result of great risk. Failure is your friend. It's not, it's not how you define yourself. It's not your identity. It's something that will help you learn. If you fail, go again. I don't know if everybody in the room has heard of Handel Messiah, but I imagine you've all heard of the Hallelujah Chorus. The Hallelujah Chorus is sung all over the world. Well, George uh, was a gifted protege. Um, but by the time he got to his mid-50s, he'd accomplished virtually nothing. He'd had a stroke, he'd lost use of four of his fingers, and he decided to give it all away. He was going to hold one last concert and then disappear into oblivion, penniless, thinking, well, I gave it a go. It never worked. Someone gave him an idea. Someone said, George, why don't you write a music score based on the life of Christ? And George thought about that, got some inspiration, started writing, sat at his piano for for almost 30 days straight and wrote and wrote and wrote until he had finished the manuscript for what is known now as Handel's Messiah and of course the rest is history. But he had failed his entire life until he was 56 years of age before he finally had a breakthrough. The point I'm simply making is failure... Is your friend. You'll never get ahead if you don't risk. You'll never risk if you see failure as a foe. You must see failure as a friend, something that can teach you and then take you places. A life spent making mistakes is a, is, is a lot more honorable than a life spent doing nothing. <laughs> so make some mistakes. Have a go, learn, but don't let failure stop you. And he goes on, he gives us some more insight into this whole idea of risk-taking, in this whole idea of embracing the pain of growth, putting yourself into an environment outside of your control. In other words, he says this, "Uh, If your clouds are full of water, then uh, pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant and whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. And what's he talking about there? Of course, he's talking about you requiring perfect circumstances before you move ahead. He said, if you wait for perfect circumstances, if you wait for the planets to align, if you wait for there to be a moment when, yes, the green flag is there and you feel, this is my moment, everything adds up, I feel strong, I'm ready, you'll never do anything. I remember something that happened in our life probably 25, 30 years ago we're looking at a house over here on the north side of Ipswich as an investment property and we looked at the house and we were sort of all ready to go ahead with this and I I still remember telling my pastor at the time and what I did was I cloaked my fear in the guise of super spirituality am I the only hypocrite in the house? (laughs) maybe, I don't know (laughs) I remember saying to me, Oh, you know, I just don't feel the time is right. I just feel I need to be focused more on this, on what I'm doing for the Lord. And he thought it was wonderful, it was a load of crock. <laughs> the truth of the matter was, I was gutless. That's the truth of the matter. I wasn't big enough to sign the bottom, the, the dotted line. And I, in the last minute. And as a result, I lost an opportunity that today would be worth tens of thousands of dollars to us. See, here's one thing. You can always come back from a mistake, but it's mighty difficult to come back from a missed opportunity. And I lost that opportunity... I came up with all the excuses under the sun which had nothing to do with the reality that I simply wasn't big enough to sign the dotted line and to move ahead and to take a risk. And had I done so, of course, I would be a lot more wealthier today than I am. Now, having said that, uh, since then I've grown and I've been able to take some risks. But, uh, and some of them have worked and some of them haven't. <laughs> but uh, but we, we keep we keep coming back. What we need to be careful is that we don't dress up our fear in. Some some kind of spiritual respectability that you don't wait for. You have that feeling that everything's right. If you do, you'll never go anywhere or do anything. Past mistakes, you can get over. Missed opportunities, maybe never. Maybe never. So don't wait for circumstances to be right. This is what Solomon is saying. He's saying it's time to step out and have a go Don't let fear of failure stop you because failure becomes your friend. And don't wait for perfect circumstances or you'll never do anything. He goes on, he tells us more. Look at this. This is really, really helpful. He says, As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in your mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. So you'll see it in the morning and in the evening. uh, Let your hands not be idle for you do not know which will succeed whether this or that or whether both will do equally well what's he telling us here he's giving us some important insight and it's this he's saying don't not do it because you're not prepared because you're not smart enough you don't know how a body's formed in the womb you don't understand the path of the wind you don't understand the wisdom of God And you're not going to move ahead because you feel, I'm unqualified. I don't know. This is a true story. We had a guy come into our church here, 12 months or so ago, maybe a little longer. You sort of lose track of time. And uh, we asked him. He was an expert, an investment expert in, in property and blah, blah, blah. And had a long list of credentials and uh, we wanted to we had some ideas and we asked him to give us some, some um, options and what we might do moving forward you know with our multiplex and everything like this and he came in he looked at everything we did and all that we'd had and all we'd set up and so forth and he says to us he says uh, so who set this up for you we said well nobody we just did it ourselves oh. well who told you what to do well nobody <laughs> we just figured it out as we went along <laughs> oh. well what experience do you have Oh, none really <laughs> and he was, he was he looked at me completely and utterly bemused as if to say what you have done is the work of experts and people who know what they're doing not foolish pastors like you <laughs> but here's the thing folks never let the fact that you don't know what you're doing get in the way of what you have to be do- what has to be done <laughs> how many opportunities have you balked that because you thought I don't know, I've got no experience, I don't know what to do. And you haven't relied on the wisdom of God, you've been so caught up in your lack of understanding or your lack of experience or your lack of ability. What Solomon is saying to us here is, listen, if you want to get ahead, if you want to maximise the potential of your life, and when you get to heaven, experience what the possibility was, it's only going to happen... If you risk But you're only going to risk if you make failure your friend If you cannot make failure your friend You'll never risk To the level that God requires You'll only risk If you can move forward in inclement op- when, it, when, when the weather's not bright In other words when circumstances aren't 100% Or you'll never do it You'll never do it If you're relying on your own wisdom Now I'm not making a virtue of ignorance I'm not suggesting that for one moment But the Bible does say That God chooses the foolish of the world To confound the wise And we love that We go oh yeah the foolish to confound the wise Yeah that's fantastic Let me tell you that's never going to happen Unless the foolish do something The foolish, aren't going to be conf- the, the foolish are not going to confine, confound the wise By sitting there and going Oh yeah but God chooses the weak over the strong No we need some dumb people to do some stuff So if you're dumb you're in <laughs> if you're sitting next to Mr. or Mrs. Foolish you're part of the deal <laughs> right and everybody said yeah, I'm glad they're in that's good for them <laughs> if you feel that you're unqualified then that's what makes you qualified that's what I'm saying if you feel that you don't have the smarts then that's what brings you into the equation Solomon is saying, you don't, no matter how smart you get, you'll never really understand the way the wind works or the way a body is formed in a mother's womb. Just have a go. Just cast your bread upon the waters. Just send your stuff out there. Just trust and believe and put yourself into a situation where God can do great works on your behalf. He goes on. He gives us some more insights, some more wisdom. So let's let's see what else he explains to us about us. And the reason why we get to that point and we falter right at the moment of decision making the moment of truth he says uh, light is sweet and it pleases uh, the eyes to see the sun however many years among many, uh, among many live yet they enjoy them all but let them remember the days of darkness for, there, for they will be many everything in life Is meaningless. Everything in life is meaningless. What's he saying? He's letting us know. He's letting us know something. He's giving us some insight into some wisdom here. I don't know whether you've ever felt your life was meaningless. I don't know if you've ever looked at someone else and thought, oh, you know, they've got it together, you know, they've made such a significant contribution. Woe is me, I've done nothing of substance with my life. No matter who you are, you think like that, even if you're the king. That's what you have to realize. See, it's so easy to conclude that my life is meaningless. What he's saying here is don't make that conclusion. Because it doesn't matter who you are. You can even be the king of Israel and you can make that conclusion. All of life is meaningless. What you need to do is make the most of what you've got. And you know what the biggest problem is? I want to tell you what the biggest addiction is in the world today. The biggest addiction. It's not... It's not uh, ice or or, uh, illicit drugs, as as horrible as that is. It's not alcohol or tobacco or or legalized uh, prescription medicines. I tell you what the biggest and I believe the worst addiction in the world today is, and it prolificates even inside the church, outside the church, everywhere. And it's this: we are addicted to problems. We don't like to say we love them, but boy, they serve us. We love to complain and we love to whinge. And we love it particularly when it's not our fault, you know, and there's something horrible happening to me, and I can, you know, put in a prayer request, and by all means put in a prayer request, I can share my my my, my problems with others and they pay a lot of attention to me. And I tell you why this is becoming such a problem, or why it is such an issue. Because it, it affords to us. A sense of significance without any risks attached to it it's the only way that we can feel significant without risk is to have a problem oh dear 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 did you break your arm oh come here come here you know oh really I'm gonna break another one (laughs) I've never been treated so nicely (laughs) you know when there's a problem everyone pays you attention and it becomes a, this addictive cycle. And so you've got people and they become addicted to health issues. Or they become addicted to uh, relational problems. Because, you know, what's going on in your life? Oh, I've got this problem and that problem and this problem and that problem. Oh my goodness, that's dreadful. I need to pay you some more attention. I, I feel so bad. I don't have as many problems as you. <laughs> what can I do to help you? And, and it draws... Attention to the individual without the individual having to go through the pain of risk-taking that Solomon is encouraging us to do here. And I tell you really what he's saying is this. Don't take yourself too seriously. (laughs) That's really what he's saying. Don't take yourself too seriously. Have a go. Risk. Don't let problems stop you. We've all got problems. It's not the problem, it's your perspective towards them. Don't, don't let problems cloud your thinking to the point where you're almost unable to move forward because there's so many issues that are holding you back that will always be the case. What he's saying to us is we've got to learn to lighten up and don't take ourselves too seriously. Or you're never going to get out there and achieve all that you are capable of. Don't take yourself too seriously. Embrace problems as your friend. He's got another idea here before I finish. He says, You who are happy, you who are young, be happy while you're young. And let your heart give you the joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eye sees. Uh, but you know that for all these things, God will bring you in to judgment. I just want to stop there for a minute and talk about there is an accountability thing here. Uh, God will hold us accountable um, for the opportunities he gives us, for the gifts and the talents that we, that we carry. And uh, Solomon is drawing the fact here that we are actually accountable. And I don't know everybody in the room, and I don't know whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. I don't know if you're into the God thing. But uh, c- can I say this? Can I say everybody needs accountability. The two things that the human heart requires for sound, mindness and healthy soul. Take these two things out, and it's a recipe for mental illness. And it's this, gratitude and accountability. Gratitude and accountability. A heart of gratitude and a life that's accountable will keep you connected, it'll keep you whole, it'll keep you healthy. You take God out of the equation and who are you accountable to and who are you grateful towards? And that's the problem with taking God out of... See, the very fact that you're hungry proves the existence of food, right? The very fact that you've experienced loneliness proves the existence of others. The very fact that you require gratitude and accountability in a sense because you take God out and I'm grateful to no one but myself. I'm a self-made person and nobody tells me what to do. And you have a world full of mental illness. And he says this in the last verse, verse 10. He says, So then banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body. For your youth and your vigor are meaningless. And what he's saying is, don't look back and think, hey, I could have done this when I was younger. Oh, I remember back in the day. Oh, back in the day when it was so wonderful. I remember when we used to do this and we used to do that and I was able to do this back in the day. He's saying, your youth was meaningless. Don't don't, don't look back and, and, and reminisce. Look forward and risk. Look forward and go, you know, this is possible. I'm thankful for all that God has given to me, but now I'm accountable to take this and not let fear overwhelm my heart and move forward into what God has got for me. He says... Don't let past failures be your excuse. Invite them into your life as a friend. Don't let uncertain circumstances stop you because circumstances will never... Look, ever since I've been 10, I reckon, I've I've heard it's time to tighten our belt. Things are tough. I think I've heard that my entire life. Uh, You know, and since that time, I think Australia's become the wealthiest country in the world. But, anyhow, uh, circumstances no one will tell you circumstances are good. No one will ever tell you that. Always things are tough. But you've got to push forward anyhow Don't, th- don't wait to be qualified right? I'm not saying be ignorant But don't just think because you don't have the knowledge and experience You can't move forward Don't let problems become your excuses And don't let fear stop you Because uh, stepping out is not the absence of fear Courage is stepping out with fear You know what your greatest victory in life is? Your greatest victory is never what you uh, accomplish over somebody else Greatest victories are never the result of a, of a win over an opponent. The greatest victory that you'll ever win in your life is the victory over self. And the victory over yourself is the selfish pursuit of self-preservation. The selfish pursuit of putting the wagons in a circle and looking after me. Your greatest victory right? what sets you apart from others, what makes you a champion is the very fact that you will step out against this, this flow of trying to you know protect ourselves and hold ourselves together and make sure that we have enough and, and, and put the wagons in a circle so to speak but you become selfless in your pursuit of becoming larger because the larger you become the more people you can help see, the the, the stronger you become, the more people you can carry. The wealthier you become, the more finance, the more missionaries you can support. You you need to be pushing yourself forward. The more uh, ministry uh, that you can embrace, the more people can find Jesus Christ. You see, a bigger you is not a selfish thing, it's a selfless thing. Because a bigger you means more people can be blessed. Perhaps the greatest thing that you can give to the future of this country is you larger than you are now. This is the greatest gift that you can bring. But that gift will only come about as you listen to what Solomon says right here. You cast your bread upon the water. You take the risks. You make failure your friend. You don't let circumstances or problems or lack get in your way. And you have a go. You don't have to be great to get started, but you have to start if you're going to be great. Thank you for listening to this podcast.